Welcome to Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you'll hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. I'm your host, Marilyn Germain. In this episode, we welcome Shari Foos, a licensed marriage and family therapist. She specializes on the subjects of relationships and meaningful connection. Shari's writing and commentary have appeared in a variety of online and print publications, including Real Simple, Huffington Post, Thrive, Women's Health, and Bustle. And today she discusses the transformative power of an apology as an act of humility without expectation. Welcome, Shari. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. Can you explain when and why people, including employees, of course, should apologize? I think that apology is meant to relieve another person from their hurt and to show that you empathize with something that you caused in their perception, regardless of whether or not it was intentional. It's challenging because now we're in the midst of a cancel culture. And sometimes coming forward to apology is felt to be dangerous because people are afraid of, rather than being appreciated for coming forward, being harmed for doing that. But when you think about what it's like when somebody inadvertently steps on your toe and you're not really hurt, it's fine if they just say, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. Now, if they don't say anything, it's not fine, even though it's a little thing. It's a way of feeling ignored and insignificant by that person. But if somebody does something deliberately or even unconsciously, but it does really hurt you in a way that affects you, you need something more from them in order to move on with that relationship. And perhaps with whatever that consequence was of the way that they hurt you. What I really like to share with people is that apology has nothing to do with self-defense. As soon as you say, but, or because you're making it about yourself, Hopefully, there will be time later for you to present your perspective, but particularly if the injured person is very upset or evoked or anxious, they're not going to really have room to hear you anyway. But the more you imagine what it's like to be that person, the more you put yourself in an empathic position to be able to say, I can imagine it it really made it impossible to concentrate for the rest of the day, or you didn't deserve it after all you've done, whatever those kinds of imaginations are that you know are possible, just feed that person's depletion. And inevitably, over time, that person will say, well, it's okay, because I could do this, this or this. This is a very fascinating phenomenon, and I invite you to try it out, but it only really gets that person to a sense of being filled up and okay, and possibly even that your relationship has grown for the better as a result of having had to talk about it in a deeper way. That only happens when your apology is selfless and you put yourself aside to imagine 
their feelings. So what does an effective apology look like? Let me give you an example of a very recent real-time thing that happened. I was 15 minutes late to this podcast. So I mentioned something to you before we got started and you were very forgiving. But at this point, for the benefit of demonstrating, I would just like to say, I'm sure you're really busy. You have a million other things to do. You have a schedule after me. You had something you could have been doing in those 15 minutes before I got there. And I truly apologize for the imposition on your time and potential stress level. Thank you for answering that and for your apology for that matter. Is there an optimal time frame to apologize? In other words, is there a difference between apologizing an hour or a month after making a mistake? Absolutely. But you know what? We're not perfect. Sometimes we're still too confused about a situation or sometimes we feel angry and we don't feel like we owe you an apology. Because of all of these complications, we can't always respond in a way that maybe retrospectively we would have thought would have been better in real time. But that can be part of the apology. I'm sorry you had to wait to hear this. I'm sorry I didn't have the clarity or the courage to tell you sooner. And I, I just hope that doesn't add to what you've already been through. I think the point of apology is just to come clean and be real. And the more honest we are, the more the person we've hurt can identify back with us because they're not perfect either. However, when we defend, when we say, hey, Marie, I'm really sorry I was late, but it was put on my calendar wrong by somebody. I don't know who that was, but it's not my fault. And I'm really sorry to put you out. You hate me, right? I mean, it's just, it's little things are big in relationships. Our communications and the impact of our showing how much we do or don't care not only impacts the moment, but then that person takes that as residue for the rest of their day. It may be small, maybe it doesn't seem to affect other people, but they're still carrying it until you apologize and make it better. It's also complicated by the fact that some people are potentially overly sensitive and misperceiving things, blind to what is objectively happening. And in that kind of situation, it's probably too complicated to go into here, but we can't feel responsible for making somebody whole for things that we really didn't cause. We can empathize and we can care for them, but our apology isn't going to do it. So some people find it quite difficult to apologize. Why do you think that is? So interesting that you asked that. The other day I was talking to some millennials and they said, why is it so hard for millennials to apologize? And I thought, well, look at cancel culture. Are you kidding me? To come forward is to risk your whole reputation, even if you want to do the right thing. It doesn't always amount to that, but that danger exists. And I think we are so far from having 
forgiveness for little mistakes, calling somebody by the wrong pronoun, or misrepresenting their group in a way that the individual finds offensive. I think for all of us, if we could just agree on taking a step backwards when somebody insults us out of ignorance or a a wrong try, as opposed to malice, and when it is something that we can enlighten them with, let's do that. And that'll make a huge difference in people's confidence that they can be honest. And part of being honest is saying, you know, I screwed up. I mean, I screw up all the time and I so appreciate it when somebody cuts me a break. It's kind of gigantic and we should pass that on. How would you go about encouraging people to apologize when it's needed, especially those who find it difficult to apologize? I think you have to have a deep conversation with yourself and have clarity about what you stand for. And there are certain things that we may ultimately decide to apologize for that we just really think is such a difference of viewpoint. But because of our reaction, we have nullified the content. So it doesn't matter if I was right and you had an inhumane view. If I treated you badly, I was wrong. So it's very hard to tease out a general response. But the main thing is this, and I I like to do a very quick connection. If you put your dominant hand on your heart until you feel your, your heartbeat, it's a way of taking control from your cognition, really, to your emotions. So your, your cognition, who's your big boss, is telling your emotions, it's okay, I'm in charge here, you can settle down. And when you think about the situation with the person, ask that part of you that really doesn't want to give in to express itself. And you might say, look, that person has horrible values. They've done this, this, and this. They've hurt people. And you may have a whole long list of legitimate complaints about that person. But that has nothing to do with what you did wrong when you stepped on their toes or said something about them or or whatever it was. If you put aside your arguments about the things that they have done other than this encounter, this encounter is all you're really apologizing for. And that is as simple as regardless of what we ever disagree about, it's wrong to say such a thing, to treat you in such a way, to have talked about you, whatever that is. And, you know, just say, I hope we can agree to disagree and that we can continue talking if you feel comfortable with that. And let me know if I do or say anything that feels inappropriate. Conversely, for some people and in some cultures, apologizing is common practice. So as a licensed marriage and family therapist, can you shed light on how the ability to apologize is developed? Is it an ability that is developed at a particular age in our life or at a particular stage of development? That's a wonderful question. I don't know about that, but I do know that infants have an absolute sense of morality. 
And this is seen with experiments with puppets where three or six month old infants will see a puppet show and we measure their interest or their liking what's happening in front of them by how much time they look at something. So they will look more at the nice puppets. And later on, when the mean puppets get their comeuppance, the children are are happy about that. So they have this sense of morality. Apology is complicated because it really involves facing yourself and putting your ego in second place. And that depends a lot on what kinds of ego injuries you may have had early on and how much you are willing to really look at yourself without defense. And it's different for different people. Is there an emotional benefit in apologizing? Yes. I mean, to apologize and to forgive are both extremely liberating if they feel complete. Because now I can move on. You know, I felt so bad about this. I was ashamed about it. Maybe it wasn't the biggest thing, but it was just something that I I felt unsettled with myself about. It was hard to look at that person. So it's a way of clearing your, your sort of figurative desk and being able to move on to something else and make a better choice in the future. But again, because of the complexity of this, we sometimes do forgive someone, but then we find out that we're still upset. You know, it, there, are, there are still parts that have to be worked out, maybe within ourselves. Maybe we need another conversation with that person. But appreciating that the process can be complex, depending on what deep parts of you got evoked, it's worthwhile if you feel it in your heart. It's not worthwhile to just say, you know, all right, I'm sorry. You know, you could say, I'm not quite there yet. I apologize for that. I just want you to know I'm, I'm thinking about it. I think I've read somewhere that you wrote that uh, apologizing is a transformative power and that it's an act of humility without expectation. Can you explain That's, what you mean by that? It means that just because I apologize to you, just because I say, you know, um, I'm sorry that I was 15 minutes late. Maybe it messed up the whole rest of your day and you're not in the mood to let it go because now you're not going to have lunch or this or that or what, whatever. Is it bad if somebody won't forgive you? I don't know. There are certain terrible things that happen in life, probably not 15-minute delays, but there are certain terrible things that we choose to not let go of to always remember, like the Holocaust. I will never forget the Holocaust. I would rather carry that pain. And people have the right to accept someone's apology and to forgive them or not. And we can do it in degrees. But until we understand and appreciate how complicated this is for us, how complicated it is for other people, then we'll never be able to do the real work it takes to fully let something go. And again, it depends on how deeply it hit you and what other parts of you were evoked. Jari, you're the founder of the Narrative Method, which is a nonprofit that connects diverse populations to themselves and each other through personal storytelling and other connective experiences. Can you explain how this works exactly? 
Well, we have these 12 core concepts that are ideas and tools to help you cope with the frustrations that everyone suffers as a result of what we call the cult of culture, the constant onslaught of noise and judgment and negative ideas that we all get about ourselves from the time we're children. Every child knows they're not pretty enough, tall enough, rich enough, popular enough, right? The right race, the right blah, blah, blah. We all get that message. But because it's so shaming and so profound, we don't always realize that every other person is dealing with that too. The group process is extremely powerful. So regardless of how important and healing it is to have one-on-one therapy or one-on-one loving relationships with people where you can be real, the power of a group is like the power of a supportive family. If I tell my story and share my vulnerability and you're all nodding because you get it, whoa, all of a sudden I belong. I'm not that crazy. I'm not that messed up. And I can look at it from a broader perspective beyond just what's wrong with me, my family of origin. When we start to broaden this out, we can come to the realization that in order to be who we really are, which is another one of our concepts, we have to separate ourselves from the things that have happened to us and the things that have been told to us that are not real. And that is, on one hand, a very simple process, because if you, if you really just get the distractions away and go into yourself, you will fairly quickly recognize what feels right and what feels wrong. What is a buried dream or a live dream or what interests you? And once we start following that, we become clear about our passions, we become clear about our purpose and start to feel like, you know what, I have value. I have something unique as every single person does, whatever that might be, something that I'm supposed to give to the world because the world's been giving to me. I've been getting the food and the water and all the rest. And when we feel that mission, no matter how big or how small, it's not our place really to assess it, just to do it. I think we feel our life matters way more than when we're trying to achieve ideals that aren't in our wheelhouse and probably aren't in anyone else's wheelhouse either. Barry, let's switch to a workplace setting since really this podcast is about HR. How can employees and HR professionals benefit from personal storytelling and also from apologizing, the ability to apologize when it's necessary? It's really a matter of setting the table. If your table is set, meaning if you have a mindset and you approach all the relationships of people that you're working with as in addition to us trying to do whatever the work is to get that done and to meet deadlines and all of those things, I want to have a life that matters wherever I go. So I'm going to bring my openness 
to the people that I interact with. There will be times where you realize, I don't really feel safe with this person and you should not reveal personal things. And you, you can only sort of assess how safe it is with other people on an individual basis. But if you have a general attitude that I'm going to offer the best part of myself and my honesty, then you will have a far better chance of getting that in return. I think for the HR people who get hit with so many complaints and, you know, it's really hard to take all of that, even if it's not a complaint about you without getting defensive. But I think if you're in HR or receiving complaints or you're an executive, people project into you that you're like a parent that could be a good parent or a bad parent. But if you separate yourself from that role, And instead, try and identify with the person who's really one down because they're an employee. And you can appreciate what they're saying from their perspective. It's usually not hard to say you're sorry. Your being sorry does not take care of the person who hurt them, but your being sorry makes them feel better. Everyone knows what it is to feel offended by something at work, and nobody listens to them. It's a horrible feeling. I mean, it's, it's bad in any relationship, but at work, there's all kinds of people and all of a sudden you can feel completely alienated, like nobody cares about my side. So simply hearing someone out and being sorry that they had to go through that or had to feel that goes a long way for camaraderie. Thank you, Sherry, for your insights on the transformative power of an apology as an act of humility without expectation. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you will hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources.